Section 14 of A Cruise in an Opium Clipper by Lindsay Anderson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 14, Chapters 43 through 45. Chapter 43 The Other Three Junks Captured One by One. Nealance had no sooner got his orders from Rooney than we were back in the launch we of the attacking party with rooney in command and again hooked on to a shrub at the base of the northern hummock awaiting the advent of the next junk it was of great advantage to us that the commander of the junks had instructed his fleet to enter in single file procession the entrance was narrow and manoeuvring under canvas with their unwieldy craft would no doubt seem to him a most gigantic feat and he had taken the precaution to keep his vessels well apart with the intention no doubt after he had got all his fleet safely in to make a combined attack readers of war news of to-day will scarcely believe that fifteen minutes had scarcely elapsed from the time of pushing off from the scrubs to attack the first junk before we were pushing off and boarding the second such however was the case that sunday afternoon in little over an hour from the boarding of the first junk we had the fleet of four heavily armed junks disarmed and rendered harmless their guns were all well spiked and their small arms and ammunition safely deposited on board the receiving ship not a shot was fired the whole thing was done in a moment i may say by the power of the glancing eye of determined men as a spiker of guns in such a hurry i had little time to note the bearing of the commanders of these war vessels or how they accommodated themselves to their capture at the moment but after the last junk had been anchored and we were able to breathe as it were it seemed to me as if they looked on it as mohammedans would do and that it was fate totally bereft of everything that could harm or annoy us or the receiving ship this grand fleet of the emperor was given up to the principal officer or mandarin in charge by captain rooney and we then returned on board the eamont arrived on board the eamont well done by george that was smart he's a smarter that rooney were the expressions i heard on every side from those who had not had the pleasure of assisting in the capture captain rooney planned the capture from his recollection of how he had seen the trading junks and others coming into port and to him was mainly due the success in those days there was existing amongst seamen of all grades a spirit of camaraderie which is never seen now many hard officers if only brave were looked up to with respect more especially those who never sent a man where they would not go themselves those who had been obliged to remain unwillingly on board the eamont and the receiving ship had done good service for there is no doubt that the sight of two well-armed ships coming into the view of the junks as they rounded the corner into the harbour must have had a deteriorating effect on the courage that had brought them so far on their way to blow us out of the harbour a good deal of laughing and chaffing went on on the quarter-deck of the eamont when we returned to her at the discomfiture of the officers of the grand fleet captain gulliver produced some of his best brand champagne and success was drunk to the union jack and the star-spangled banner 
our men as also the receiving ship's men were served with their favourite beverage and then dismissed our people to supper the receiving ship's crew to their own ship while we of the afterguard including rooney eastervelt and the officers of the receiving ship proceeded in a cursory way to dress for dinner which was to be held on board the eamont in anticipation of the return of the schroffs the priest and any others who might accompany them dinner was scarcely begun before we were interrupted by the arrival of our expected emissaries the joviality at the dinner-table came to a pause both captains followed by the rest of us left the table and proceeded on deck to the gangway the sentry not allowing any one up the ladder till he received orders from a superior the captains arriving at the gangway permission was granted for those in the sampans to come on board first came the priest then the schroffs who had a colloquy with the captains then the others in the sampans were also invited to come on board among the party were the tutai and several native traders followed by the commander of the fleet with many salaams and curious inflections of the body they endeavoured to show an abject humility and a wish to conciliate favour captain gulliver scarcely deigning a glance at their grotesque bearing genially invited them to join us at the dinner-table leaving conditions to be discussed afterwards apparently nothing loath and all seemingly very much relieved at our captain's gracious reception they proceeded to the saloon and took their places with us at the dinner-table chapter forty four peace placed on a firm basis the schroffs were likewise invited to the feast so as to act as interpreters as i don't think the captains were entirely satisfied with the views put forward in general by the spanish priest the real business that had brought the traders and the others to again visit us was put off till dinner was ended it being considered advisable by the captains to endeavour by a real settlement of the present situation to bring all hostile matters to an end and get on a really friendly position with the natives for the purpose of future trade as the dinner proceeded in its usual free and easy style our guests gradually relaxed the stiff and apprehensive manner with which they had sat down the good wine coursing through their unaccustomed veins had no doubt a very enlivening effect while at the same time it engendered in them a growing feeling for the luxuries of higher civilization which some of them were possibly enjoying for the first time with these feelings maturing and growing within them it was not surprising to find that when after dinner the situation was trotted out and discussed in all its bearings our two captains got everything their own way although not present at the main conference i learned afterwards through various conversations with our captain and eastervelt the main result of what had been concluded between the tutai the traders and the captains the officer of the receiving ship and we of the eamont had gone on deck after dinner and left the chiefs to decide the matter as they deemed best we fraternized and we smoked in a more genial way than we could have done under the oppression of grave consultations and we also discussed the situation from our various points of view 
i gathered from the officer of the receiving ship that they had never had any great trouble with the natives before but they were not at all dismayed at the turn affairs had taken it was perhaps as well that the natives had received a lesson and knew what to expect should they turn at all restive they knew now if they did not know previously that the white man was a being not to be trifled with and to be respected shortly after nine our native guests took their departure in high good spirits everything had been arranged in a most satisfactory manner captain rooney was to retain possession of all arms belonging to the fleet until such time as they had communication with the emperor a special messenger was to be dispatched forthwith to taiwan and the emperor was to be besought to take in hand the punishment of the wreckers so as to put an end to all such nefarious proceedings in future the traders were to use their dollar influence with the tutai and the emperor so that trade might come to their port and help to enrich them all what settlement was made for the priest i never heard at present he was to live on board the receiving ship it is possible that captain rooney may have had catholic leanings when he had time to think on spiritual affairs so that the priest would be handy for him when so affected mr eastervelt was to return to the mainland and civilization with us and we were to sail on the morrow it was nearly midnight when our other guests took their departure for the receiving ship there were many cordial good-byes and handshakes and the bitter antagonists of a fortnight ago we were now cementing a lifelong friendship alas for our resolves i have never met any of them since and but few of my own shipmates some i know have gone their way to that happy land beyond the sky where all is peace and joy and love some by water some by steel and some by the shot of the foe while some of whom i have never heard have made their homes possibly in some of the many distant lands that were but little known to commerce in those now far-off days chapter forty five we leave cross the reef safely reach amoy i am sent to hong kong with letters for the owners conclusion early the next morning all hands were on deck and the work of unmooring was proceeded with by eight a m we were riding at single anchor with a gay display of bunting captain rooney and two of his officers as well as the captain of the sydney brig came to bid good-bye to us and especially to mr eastervelt the last good-bye was said and as they stepped into the boat the topsail was sheeted home the anchor was weighed and gracefully dipping our ensign to all we gathered way and gradually gained the entrance a last dip was given as the harbour and all within it was shut out from our view all sail was set on the eamont the wind was fresh from north-north-east and as she felt the whip of canvas on her she bounded away past our beacons and across the reef which was now nearly as smooth as a mill-pond the course was set for amoy and gaily on she went with the wind one point abaft the beam the very direction that suited our sailing qualities best in three days we arrived at amoy and anchored close to our receiving ship in the usual manner
captain gulliver accompanied by mr eastervelt paid their respects to the commander of the receiving ship and then proceeded on shore and reported to the consul giving him the whole account of the proceedings that had transpired over in formosa when they returned to the eamont in the afternoon i received orders from captain gulliver to hold myself in readiness to proceed to hong kong with dispatches containing the intelligence of our doings to our owners the consul sending dispatches at the same time to the government there one of our firm's schooners the zephyr was hourly expected to arrive from the northwards on her return journey to hong kong and i was to go on her that same night the zephyr arrived the treasure from the receiving ship in the eamont was soon transferred on board of her with the treasure from the eamont i proceeded on board in accordance with captain gulliver's instructions i found captain gulliver on board the zephyr when i got there who introduced me to captain hauser in a very flattering manner and hoped he would give me a lift when i got to hong kong should there be any vacancies in the fleet there if not i was to come to amoy and await the return of the eamont from formosa if she had sailed previous to my arrival the eamont was to go into dry dock and have a thorough refit so that if i were lucky enough to catch a schooner leaving soon after i got to hong kong i might be in time to rejoin before they got away the zephyr was a beautiful type of the opium clipper but i doubt if she was half so strong as any of the others she was built in baltimore u s for the slave trade between africa and the west indies but had been bought from the builders by our firm before she left the stocks perfect in model and heavily sparred she walked over the water like a thing of life but i doubt very much if she could have stood the bumping over the reef that the eamont had been subjected to without coming to grief the eamont's frames were mahogany while the zephyrs were american oak and elm her deck fittings were a picture of beauty armed with four eighteen-pounders of a side all brass a long eighteen pivot on the forecastle also of brass while an armstrong sixty-eight pounder pivot gun occupied the centre of her handsomely polished decks everything was in perfect order for captain hauser was considered a great martinet and everything had to be kept well in order to keep him in calmness at daybreak the next morning the zephyr's anchor was weighed sail was made the ensign dipped to her consort the eamont and to the receiving ship and away she bowled gliding through the water at a fast increasing rate which reached fourteen knots per hour when we got outside into the strength of the monsoon the next day we called at swato and remained a few hours receiving the treasure from the receiving ship there to be carried to hong kong the headquarters of the firm weighing from swato the same afternoon in less than forty hours we were anchored in victoria harbour hong kong i proceeded on shore to the firm's office along with captain hauser and delivered up my dispatches later on one of the firm interviewed me about the occurrences in formosa he was apparently well satisfied and let me know that i should not be forgotten there were in those days two newspapers published in hong kong and i suppose it was a matter of course that they were opponents in opinions 
these papers got an account of our proceedings from somewhere not from me or any of our firm but from some of those wonderful places where information is received sometimes only known to themselves the one paper eulogized us as heroes and said we deserved the highest praise for taking summary vengeance on the miscreants as well as opening up another port to british trade the other newspaper held us up to bitter scorn and reviling said we were only a pack of filibusters and that hanging was too good for us the opium trade and its clippers were the advanced guard that paved the way for commerce in china which brought in its train the missionary although he came to denounce what he styled such immoral traffic always forgetting for the time to look at home with its many many ways of curiously making millionaires with my arrival in hong kong ended my connection with the opium clipper emont end of section fourteen end of a cruise in an opium clipper by lindsay anderson